podcast this week, I wonder who our guest is. Yes, it's Wanda Maximoff herself, a.k.a. Elizabeth Olsen, star of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Plus, the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that likes to think there's a multiverse out there somewhere where it didn't once ask Sam Raimi if his success was, quote, beyond your wildest ken, which is a Scottish phrase we had seen in the Bruins and Urwilly. And then we had to spend three minutes explaining what that meant to a rather confused director. It would be lovely if there was a multiverse where that hadn't happened. (laughs) (sighs) It made you the man you are, Chris. It did. (sighs) Yes, it did. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast, which this week is being recorded virtually for a number of reasons. Uh, One, scheduling snafus up the wazoo. It's never good to have a snafu up the wazoo, but that's exactly what we had. So we're recording this now on Friday morning, the day the podcast goes out. The, the movie news <laughs> section is going to be the freshest it's ever been. Red hot movie news, folks, including the discussion of that thing that happened last week, <laughs> just as we put the podcast up. Uh, but yes, this is Friday, 6th of May, 13 minutes past 8 in the morning. I'm here with my two colleagues of such lethal cunning, Geek Queen Helen O'Hara is here. Hello. Great big fucking nerd James Dyer is here. Good morning. Is it morning? I'm so tired I can't really tell. I, who knows? At least one of us, and I'm not going to say who, is naked from the waist down right now. <laughs> well, I've seen <laughs> James. Steady. And he walked away, like, as in he walked away from the mic at one point and came back. So at that point, at least, he wasn't naked from the waist down. I know I re- I've got I removed my glasses when I sat back down, obviously. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, let's move on quickly, shall we? Um, how are you both? I also have a cold, which is probably another reason why we're doing mm-hmm. this—not uh, in the studio, but remotely today. But uh, it's—it's it's not COVID. I have been told repeatedly yeah. by yeah. the LFT. I, I also have a cold, and I probably shouldn't have licked you all those times last <laughs> week. I guess I'm sorry. Um, uh oh. But uh, but yes, also been told it's not COVID. So, hey, I mean, I guess nature is healing if we're just getting colds again. That's I remember great. colds vaguely. I don't have a cold. Sorry, I can't. Join this club, but I'm very, very tired because I got in late last night. Because Helen, we, quick lick, James. Yes, <laughs> lick me through the screen. Uh, we had a pilot TV event last night, which is very exciting for Bosch Legacy, the new Bosch series, uh, which Titus well ever came to. It was very exciting. I hear it was a b- bit of a boss job. It, it was in many ways because I was hosting it. But yes, uh, yeah, it was. It was. Um, it was all the lols. See- Titus Welliver could have joined us. Yes, I know you had him on the Pilot TV podcast. We but did. This, you know, yes. he, he could have. He's yeah, on he next show. Have, He's a big fan of Empire. He is. Um, he loves Empire. In fact, we talked about that quite a lot. He's also a big fan of everything that we love. Like, I feel like he's the long lost member of the office that we never had. But he's really fucking cool. Yeah. He's like, all so cool. Yeah. That's the thing he has over us. Definitely. That's the thing. If he, if he yeah. spent even more than an hour in our company, oh God, he'd probably want to kill us all. The cool might rub off though, I like to think. Like we'd be cool by association. I think if we asked Titus Wellover to rub off on us, that's yeah, probably that's a violation. That yes, is just yeah. as your lawyer, d- don't do yeah. that. Yeah. But I mean, obviously I told him his face is his warrant that gives him jurisdiction on this podcast anytime he wants so it does yeah it does indeed uh, anytime at all the open invitation to titus welliver uh, you can appear in the podcast whenever you want just click your fingers and we will start recording the podcast around <laughs> you sir that is how this works titus welliver of course he is on a tv show uh so he's on bosch as you know james has uh, said ad infinitum 
on, <laughs> on this show, uh, and indeed the Pilot TV podcast. Uh, and that leads us nicely into this week's listener question, which is the listener question we delayed not just from last week, but huh. the week before. And it is from... Key1885. Genuinely don't have the question anymore because it's in my DMs and it's been buried under a, a ton of Doctor Strange questions that I haven't asked for, but thanks anyway. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> thank God I've seen the movie because there are spoilers up in my DMs right now. Uh, and uh, But the question is from a person whose name I will find and then dub in later on. Uh, and the question was, again, I don't have it to hand, but it was something about the best movie star cameo in a TV show. So what's the best movie star cameo in a TV show? And here I want to lay some ground rules down, first of all, okay. before, before we get James into this. Starts. Before I kick <laughs> off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so this has to be an actual cameo, uh, maybe not even just like a walk-on, but something where it has lines, maybe a bit of an arc, uh, even. It has to be from an after they were famous movie star. So it can't be from someone who just before they they burst into superstardom. Mm. Um, and we're only allowed one Friends and one Simpsons character each. <laughs> I would say I know who my friends one will be. Now I'm just trying to decide on Simpsons. See, Simpsons, I, I, there's so many I can't... Mm. There's just too many. It sounds too like many. Some, I'm, I'm trying to canvas over my lack of Simpsons knowledge. There's so many. There's just too many Simpsons characters. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't think of who it is. But you know the, the 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 best ones. But okay, and I'm going to be that guy. How we like so so obviously we're saying like movie star cameos in TV shows. But like, are we saying that that movie star cannot have done TV prior to them? Because obviously that no. just makes them a TV star. No, of course no, not. Primarily known for. I think we know that we feel the difference, right? Like we feel what they're primarily known for like okay there are going to be some gray area people like maybe Kiefer Sutherland who did 24 and, and sort of launched the whole movie stars on tv you know craze to an extent discuss 10 points anyway um but uh <laughs> but like you know when Brad Pitt turns up in Friends which is my answer for Friends yeah that's a movie star cameo in a tv show it's a solid answer as well because that it's is a, it's a really funny bit and, mm. and I, I guess it's become slightly less funny since it's they divorced. aged as well yeah but when they were married <laughs> and he turns up as the president of the hate i hate rachel green club or the vice president obviously ross <laughs> yeah. was present just brilliant and his you know um complex cards and carbs and rachel green my two greatest enemies i mean just he was flawless absolutely flawless yeah. loved it yeah closely followed by bruce willis you see, and we see Bruce Willis, James, technically as a TV star. Uh, who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. No, only he kidding. was not. Only no, kidding, not. only kidding. But that is interesting because he mm. comes full circle, doesn't he? He does, yeah, yeah. He was TV, then he was movie, then he was TV. And of course, and we're not the first people to, to raise this point, uh, Joey and Chandler idolize Die Hard, and they don't seem to recognize that Elizabeth's dad looks exactly like Bruce Willis. Yeah. So- Chew on that. So maybe Stallone did star in Die Hard in that universe. I like to think it was Frank Sinatra. I like to think that yeah. he did take up the contractual obligation offer because he starred in, in The Detective and they they had to offer Die Hard to him, even though he was in his, what, 60s or 70s by the time Die Hard came around. So if he had done that again, because technically Die Hard is kind of a sequel to The Detective, kind of. Kind of. Uh, kind not of. really, but kind of in a multiversal kind of, kind of way. Uh <laughs> It would have been really fun to have a really old, uh, bewigged, toupeed Frank Sinatra swanning around the Nakatomi Plaza, perhaps perhaps singing a song at Hans Gruber. That would have been fun. He could have sung that song, Do you like to swing on a star? <laughs> Carry moonbeams home. He could have sung Let Us Know, Let Us Know, Let Us Know, Let Us Know, Let Us Know. 
Yeah, he could have done that instead, which I'm sure he did. Probably did. Probably, anyway, we're getting probably. off the anyway, yes, we made already. it slightly yes. off track. Okay. So there okay. we go. My favorite friends cameo, yes, uh, because there were some friends cameos I just didn't, I just don't like. I, don't, I think they're 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 obviously there. Just to, the, the worst one is the Robin Williams Billy Crystal cameo, which I think might be in the first season, um, which which they're they're in Central Park and they basically get into a, a bit of a comedic argument that I never really found funny, even though I obviously worship that show. And they were basically on that just to promote Father's Day in which they starred and which was out at the same time and which was made by the same studio, Warner Brothers. And I just felt like the worst kind of brand synergy. Uh, But my favourite Friends cameo, love Reese Witherspoon. She's great. I love love someone who can get in and have a little bit of an arc and, you know, get her, get their teeth into, into a bit of a character. But it's Jeff Goldblum playing himself for me, you know, Uh, and all his, uh, all his kind of faux pretentious actor coach <laughs> nonsense that he that he gives to Joey uh, and then of course that episode because uh, he's, he's none more Goldblum in that in that moment and then of course the episode ends with Joey pissing on him so it's it's a really fun fun cameo gold from Goldblum <laughs> Jimbo do you have anything? Oh what's a pick what's a pick what's a pick from friends um, from friends from friends in particular oh god yeah. I I Pure movie people. I think you've covered off my main go-to ones from Friends, but I want to pick up a different one with this, and I want to pick up Ben Kingsley in The Sopranos, which because The Sopranos isn't a show that you would obviously associate with cameos, and it's not a show which you would even think would thematically work with cameos at all. And yet Ben Kingsley is on it playing himself, and it is A, hilarious, Sir Ben, uh, <laughs> And B feels entirely organic because Christopher's obviously wanting to get into the movie industry and he ends up latching on to Ben Kingsley, who is just an absolute monster. And it's 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 great. And again, like I think this was publicized beforehand, as I recall. And I was a bit like, oh, has Sopranos jumped the shark? This seems like a gimmick. I don't like it. And, you know, Chase pulls it off. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, John Favreau is in, in The Sopranos as himself as well, isn't he? At a certain uh, point. He's very, yes. He's, yeah. Very, very briefly. Yeah. Lauren Bacall's in that episode as well, actually, funnily enough. Oh, my Whoa. God. As herself. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think so. It's been such a long time since I've seen it. Okay. Because uh, obviously, then there are categories. There's people playing themselves and there's people playing characters. And yep. so Mike Goldblum, he plays himself, but Brad Pitt plays someone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich. Peter Bogdanovich, the great Peter Bogdanovich, was, uh, had an actual recurring role on The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. So you can maybe very can maybe true. say that one. Very yeah. true. Okay, speaking of things that are kind of, well, that brought me to mind. I want to say David Cronenberg in Star Trek Discovery, which I just... Oh, but, yeah. But, but that was a proper, like, have I slipped through the multiverse moment? Because David Cronenberg is not just... He's got a proper role. He's a recurring character That's on Star wild. Trek Discovery. And it's just bonkers and the thing is it's i love the fact that they haven't attempted to make him look a bit pejor and a bit cardass and he just looks like the fucking david cronenberg <laughs> they've just said you know we, you know we don't need romulans we don't need to be borg we just want you to be future david cronenberg and that's who he is and it's amazing and possibly the only good thing in the most recent series of discovery <laughs> oh. but that's not the end of that i mean i'm thinking i'm trying to think through 30 rock but a lot of my favourite cameos in that are actually other TV people, like the Aaron Sorkin walk and talk, where he's up for the same job as Liz. <laughs> uh, which 30, is Rock, 30 Rock has loads, but it's loads. not my favourite one. But I love the fact that Martin, Martin, 
But I love the fact that Michael Sheen, when Michael Sheen turns up in 30 Rock, oh, he Wesley plays a character Snipes. called Wesley Snipes, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is really fun. It's a really fun idea. Um, and that brings me to one of my favourite movie star cameos in a TV show, which is Wesley Snipes in What We Do in the Shadows, where he plays <gasps> yes. essentially Blade. <laughs> but obviously, for copyright reasons, they can't yeah. call him Blade, so they just call him Wesley. So it's the it's the first season episode where it's a, it's uh, a finale, I think, is it? It's, I think it's the finale. It's of the finale. First season. It might be the finale, and um, and they they're brought before the Vampire Council for judging because you know they've they've transgressed earlier in the season. And uh, if you haven't seen What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show, by the way, is fucking hilarious. It's amazing. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's so good. Uh, and so we get a whole bunch of cameos here from people who have played vampires on the That's big right. screen. Tilda Swinton from Only Tilda Lovers Swinton. Left Alive. Amazing. Danny Trejo from, from Dust Till Dawn. We have um, Evan Rachel Wood from... True Blood. There's tons of people. Obviously, you know, Taika Waititi is there. Jermaine Clement is there. The other fella from uh, What We Do in the Shadows, the movie, is also there. Uh <laughs> can't remember his name. Anyway, he's very good. Uh, and there's loads and loads of people. And then the piece de resistance is that they have Blade slash Wesley Snipes <laughs> dialing in on Skype. Uh, and there's lots of connection issues. And it's 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 very, very funny. And they reference all they, they reference tons of other people like the stat and whatnot. Uh, but the, the conceit is that they are all basically vampires in real life. So it's not they're not playing their characters from these movies. They're playing themselves. So, so Tilda Swinton's a vampire. Danny Trejo is a vampire. Wesley Snipes is a vampire. Uh, a day-walking vampire. So that's that's really fun. Yeah. Wesley Snipes. That's a, mm. that's a very good answer. I also love the the line in, in 30 Rock. Look at him, look at me. Which one do you think should be called Wesley Snipes? Amazing <laughs> 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 um, That is an absolutely terrific one. Depending on our definition of movie star, Prince in New Girl was pretty unexpected. Um. Purple Rain. Taylor Swift was in New Girl. She was, but Prince is more of a movie star than Taylor Swift is. I, I resent that. I've seen Cats. <laughs> <laughs> I also have seen Cats. I but rest was my she, case. Had she been in Cats before she was in New Girl? No. Well, therefore, that doesn't count. Damn it. Right. <laughs> but she's Taylor Swift, so she's exempt from all caveats. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. James is such a Taylor Swift <laughs> stan. Is that, the, is that the, how the kids say it I these days? I believe so. I believe so. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely wild. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that's a good one. Prince, okay, I guess I technically will allow it because of, <laughs> yes, you're right, Purple Rain. Um, but he's not really a movie star, but he's Prince. So therefore, he's Prince. He gets, right, so he's I, he's I, a never star. Okay. Oh, okay. Michael J. Fox or Michael A. Fox, as is his real name. <laughs> uh, Michael Andrew Fox. Yeah. And I'm not going to go for the copy enthusiasm where he pays himself, mainly because I don't like copy enthusiasm. I'm going to go for his appearance in The Good Wife. Do you remember this? Yes. So he so, plays I mean, is the, that a cameo? Well, canning. Yeah, well, it's, it's a role. It's a, a recurring role. role. It's yeah. a recurring and it's a very, very good one. It's a very good role. A very good role. He's an absolute monster. Uh, and it's glorious. Oh my god! I've just remembered he's really good in Scrubs as well. He comes in uh, for uh, I think a couple of episodes in Scrubs as a kind of antagonist to to JD, um, and that has triggered in me a memory of one of the great movie star cameos in a TV show. Prepare to have your hearts broken, oh no, folks. Don't mention it's it. Brendan Fraser. Oh. Brendan Fraser in Scrubs. That is one of the greatest episodes of the show. It is funny. It is tragic. Mm. He is sensational in it. Oh my God. Brendan Four Fraser in Scrubs. For ben. Oh my God. Oh. I, I beg your pardon. Isn't this character <laughs> named Ben? 
Oh, no, okay. <laughs> I thought you were no, breaking some ben. horrible news to us fine. there. <laughs> oh, my God. Poor Ben Travis. Is this, is this why he couldn't be here today? Because yeah. he's dead. <laughs> oh, God. It's oh, got no. dark really fast. <laughs> uh, so, yes, Brendan Fraser in Scrubs. I've got a couple more. Shall I just, Bring it, please. I, I just list a couple. Go on. All right. Keep going. Oh, Jimbo, you go. You go. Uh, well, I, I want to, in the pre-Cobra Kai years, I would have said the Ralph Macchio, William Zabka feud thing on How I Met Your Mother was pretty cool. Uh, the way, like, they're all hanging out with Ralph Macchio, and then he's he's in the costume, he's the clown, and it's William Zabka, and it's and it's it's like it feels like that episode almost feels like a setup for the whole of Cobra Kai. Um, it's very very funny. <laughs> okay, I don't think I've seen that episode. That's one of those yeah, shows I kind of dip into, and I have and you know, I yeah, I, to be I honest, like I'm not I'm not a watcher of that show either, but uh, I watched it for that. Okay, I'm fair. not a watcher. I'm not a watcher of that I'm show. Not a watcher. All of extras, obviously. That all of extras, yeah. All of extras, all of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Ooh, Isabella Rossellini, that's a great Friends cameo. The laminated list, which uh, is yes. amazing. And it's just when he shows her the list, she says, I'm not on the list. And he was just like, <laughs> it's not the final draft. She goes, but it's laminated. <laughs> It's just so mind-bogglingly awkward. And I think Schwimmer oh. is at his best when Ross is super awkward because he's always awkward. Um, yeah, love him. Yeah, yeah. That is a, that is a great moment. Um, okay, so talk of extras because extras is obviously a show built on movie star cameos. Um, so I'm not going to mention any of those. I thought Patrick Stewart is too late. Yes. I've seen everything. Is is <laughs> amazing. Uh, but that will lead me to one of my favourites, which is Big Liam. Uh, not on Dairy Girls. I think we can probably talk about that now. Um, yes. Because that, that jarred slightly for me. Did, that, you didn't that, like it. What? I thought it was just, amazing. It, just, it felt a little bit, I, you know, it was fun and everything. Oh, but you are a man without soul. It it pales into insignificance next to his cameo on Life's Too Short, um, in which he comes in as himself and pitches, that has that amazing pitch to Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, where he declares that he, the most intense man in the world, wants to do comedy. You know, that one <laughs> monologue, yes. crazy characters, improvisation. And then he does a bunch of improv <laughs> skits with Ricky Gervais, which all end with his characters having AIDS and dying. Oh, and it's just, <laughs> it's the darkest thing, but it's absolutely amazing. So there you go, Big Liam. Also, also, all the Star Trek ones. Can we just wipe over all the Star Trek ones? So The Rock on Star Trek Voyager, yeah. although technically although he wasn't, he wasn't a movie star, star at the time. At the time. Um, so many things. Um, Robbie and Ashley Judd on Next Generation. I mean, there are quite a lot of them, so I won't list them all. Oh, there's so many. A I lot mean, of those are pre-fame rather than Yeah, so I guess they're disqualified yeah, on that. Yeah, I, I feel on, like on that's that a bit difficult. Um, the Cronenberg ones blow my mind. That's, yeah, you should watch it. That's yeah. incredible. Fucking wild. I, I, I literally had to sort of stop for a second and, wait am i it's not just a person who looks like I, it can't be is it he's yeah. wearing the glasses he's wearing the glasses i think he probably needs us to see jim <laughs> you know Kruderberg's not a first to a cameo there's he's done loads Ooh, of cameos yeah, yeah. and actually loads of supporting roles and you know he's literally the third lead in nightbreed uh for example and he was in he was in a shutter TV show, uh, a slasher TV show. Mm. I think it may even be called Slasher. Uh, he was in that where he was actually in a whole bunch of episodes playing an actual role mm. and that came out last year. Surely Scorsese's been in some TV shows. I know he's done He's been in Curb. There's, there's a great episode of, of course, Curb where, yeah. he, where yeah. he plays himself. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, I wish he'd turned up in Friends. That'd have been, that'd have been, <laughs> that would have been that'd amazing. Have been Maybe he'll turn up in season two of Moon Knight. We don't know. Um, Carrie Fisher was pretty good in, in Big Bang Theory. Yes, yeah. she was. Also in Catastrophe. Yes, yes, very good. 
Not a Although, cameo, though. Isn't that no, more just a playing role. a role? Yeah. 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 That's, I mean, a, that's an actor playing a role. The, the, <laughs> the line between the two is is a little. Hey, I fuzzy. rejected the whole premise of this question, so I'm just rolling with it as best. And now I you're can. loving it. Now you're loving it. You're like a, you're like a pig in shit. Uh, but you know, speaking of actors playing roles, Ian McKellen starred in Carnation Street for about ten episodes, <laughs> and that was post Gandalf and post Magneto. And he basically went, "I wish I wish to star in Carnation Street," and they went, "Yeah, okay, fine." Go ahead. Do you like? You're not going to argue with him, are you? You want to play an armored bear? Straight. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yelling, you shall not pass in the rover's return. <laughs> That's right. Whatever. So, uh, yeah. And of course, um, where did Ben Kingsley get his start, folks? In theater? Coronation Street. In Coronation Street? It seemed, it seemed pretty obvious to oh, me. Okay. Uh, that's where I was going. Okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't, didn't follow the signs there. No, sorry. All right, okay. So just a couple of quick ones from me. And we haven't even mentioned Law and Order or Law and Order mm-hmm. SVU or Law and Order Criminal Intent or Law and Order, whatever the hell it is. Because Law and Order, SVU particularly, leans pretty heavily on movie star cameos or did for a while. Uh, proper movie stars doing proper movie star cameos like Robin Williams and Sharon Stone, people like that. Hmm. I remember seeing an episode of Law and Order where it started, it, where both Idris Elba and Kerry Washington were in it, but kind of pre pre fame. So I think it might have slightly predated The Wire, or you know, even if it was maybe post The Wire, it was at the point where he wasn't the huge star he is now. But Law and Order's got tons and tons and tons of them. Uh, I really liked Lenny Manny in his cameo on Brooklyn Nine Nine. I'm stretching mm-hmm. the the term movie star here a little bit, but a little bit maybe because his his presence elicits one of the great reaction shots from Melissa Fumero <laughs> when she is told that her brother, who everyone thinks is perfect and you know and everyone idolizes him, but she's really really jealous of him, and she's told that he's been arrested for cocaine possession, <laughs> and her her expression where she goes, oh no, that's <laughs> terrible, but she's 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 smiling really broadly. Hard to- <laughs> <laughs> she could contain the smile is just genius. Um, also, great casting there because Limo Mel Miranda as a overachiever in that family of overachievers. That that's you know that's playing to his strengths. Let's say yes. Martin Short in Arrested Development because he shows up as this ninety-something-year-old man who has to be lifted by his his personal valet, and he it, it's <laughs> one amazing. of the funniest things to the nuts. He's also extremely good in The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt as a um, plastic surgeon. And he's got sort of, you know, terrifyingly taut skin and they've got amazing prosthetics on him. Uh, and he's got a sort of, not quite a fronk in Father of the Bride voice, but not far off. Yeah. And he's incredible in that. Absolutely incredible. All right. Well, listen, that's a good note on which to end. You should always end these sections by talking about Martin Short. No, wait, Helen's got one more. I did have one more. It was another Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Daniel Radcliffe in the sort of movie length episode of Kimmy Schmidt, the Choose Your Own Adventure one. I never saw that. It's cute and he's very funny in it. So, yeah. All right. There you go. Daniel Radcliffe. Well, you should always end these sections talking about Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, That's what I say. Uh, So there we go. Uh, I had had fun trolling down Cameo Lane. Jimbo, how did you feel about it? I I reject the premise of the question. Why do you reject the premise of the question, Chip? Because there is an innate snobbery in here saying no, that movie isn't. stars are slumming it on television and I'm having none of it because we live no, in an era of peak though. TV. It isn't. You're you were so looking for something that ago. isn't there. <laughs> You're saying I'm manufacturing offence. Yes. A little bit. <laughs> yes. Which would be so unlike you. <laughs> 
Anyway, if you want to have your question read out on the Empire Podcast, you can get in touch with me via one method and one method only at the moment, which is bat signal. If you flash a bat signal in the sky, I will come running and then you can ask me the question in person uh, under the bridge at midnight in the heart of Gotham. Or you can slide into my DMs on Twitter. I'm at Chris Hewitt. Or you can reply to any of my tweets or wait for a panicked shout out every now and again. But the DM strategy was what? Insert name here did a couple of weeks ago with that excellent question. Thank you so much indeed for that. Okay, so now it's time to talk about the movie news, the news of the movies, the things that have been happening in the world of movies over the last week or so. And as is tradition, pretty much the second I pressed upload on last week's podcast, two big old bits of movie news came squeaking out of the movie news butt. Oh, um, no. What? <laughs> Nobody wants to deal with that. No. Uh, anyway, one of them is that the Fantastic Four movie... Hmm. over at Marvel Studios, no longer has a director because John <gasps> Watts has left the project, citing basically exhaustion. Exhaustion, uh, yeah. And that he has made three Spider-Man movies in a very, very short space of time, and he wants to spend time with himself and some other projects, presumably. Um, and he's stepping away uh, with Marvel's blessing. That they're, they're, they're happy for him to do so. There, there is no suggestion that the that the powers that be have fallen out with him, unlike some other franchises I could name. Huh. Uh, and uh, so now we're looking for, well, no, I'll say we, uh, but Kevin, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you want my help uh, finding a new director for Fantastic Four, then get in touch. Uh, but yes, they're, they're looking for a new director for the Fantastic Four movie. Well, I think any and all of us are free, right? So um, just FYI. Uh, it would be, I mean, that would, uh, that would be catastrophically bad. <laughs> that, would, I mean, that would be absolutely the worst possible idea. Yes, it would, yes. Yeah. I mean, three like, giggling idiots who don't know what they're doing in charge in of the charge Fantastic of the Four. Hen yeah. yeah, it might work. Not, it I mean, might work in a sort of infinite monkeys kind of situation. <laughs> but, I mean, there are only three of us, so it's immediately it's well. <laughs> <laughs> What would you do? How would we? How would we divide up the the power? On, on the set of Fantastic Four. Would, I'd be in charge I, I, of scripting, so the story whereby oh they Christ. go to a dimension where they resurrect Thanos, I think that would be <laughs> oh that would be boy. the direction we definitely want to go that in. Would, that and would, then they very quickly become the Fantastic Two when he clicks <laughs> yeah. his fingers again. The creative differences would rear their heads really early on that yeah. one, wouldn't they? Helen, I think that you'd be good with actors. Really? Oh. Yeah, but she'd insist that Captain America was in every scene with what? a beard. No. And Topless it's just, and greased yeah, up. Absolutely, with nipples on display. And it's Again, just like, you're, it's, you're it obsessed with nipples. I don't understand it, gentlemen. I, it's- I want the thing... I want the thing in that movie to have uh, rocky nipples. Rocky Don't think it's nipples. ever been done before. Wow. Rocky Nipples was my wrestling name. <laughs> <laughs> rocky Nipples is my favourite Ben & Jerry's flavour. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, Fantastic Four doesn't have a director. But I would take care of the visuals, is what is what I'm saying. Oh, oh, you would. Oh, I you see. Would. Okay. Yeah, Helen would take care of the acting. James <laughs> fucking hell would take care of the scripting. This seems like a and spectacularly would... bad idea. Oh, no, wait. You've got experience... I've got experience of uh, a little bit of experience of acting. You've got experience with, like, visual effects dudes. True. Yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> visual uh, effects dudes. That makes my, my that social sounded, life sound a lot more wrong. exciting <laughs> than it is. <laughs> Golly. Um, <laughs> I know some people in visual effects. Yes. Correct. Yes. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and Jimbo has has seen films with screenplays in them. So... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think this will work. I wow, think this will okay. Work. So, well, we have solved that. We don't have to worry anymore no. about who will direct. But Fantastic say, for example, Four. Marvel don't do that. They don't take the silly left field choice and they, they choose us to direct the, 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 the 23 to direct the Fantastic Four. <laughs> 
who would you choose? Who could step into John Watts' shoes? Presuming, of course, he's left his shoes behind. Huh, I mean, Justin Lin's free, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've heard worse ideas. I've heard a lot worse ideas. Honestly, there was a part of my mind whenever I saw this this news that uh, there was a, for a second the thought went through my head: Did he get wind of this on the set of Fast Ten, Justin Lin, and that you know, maybe he's wanted to direct Fantastic Four forever, oh. and that maybe is one of the reasons why he stepped away so he could put his hat into the uh, into I the f- ring for I this? I feel like he's much too professional to do that. But, I think so, um, I, but I, I love the, it as a conspiracy theory. The thought flashed in and then flashed out again <laughs> because obviously I don't think that's uh, that that's remotely close to what happened uh, on Fast 10. Uh, there have been numerous reports in the week and, and lots of allegations that, the, that as we perhaps suspected, that he and Finn Diesel had uh, a creative butting of the heads. Mm. And yeah. there, there seemed to have been, yeah, there, there seems to be a situation where he thought he had a signed off script and the signed off script turned out not quite to be signed off, not just by Vin Diesel, but also by the studio. So it Mm. sounded like, and also there were, there were issues, I think with locations and everything was becoming, casting, everything was becoming pretty, pretty hectic. So, yeah. So, so yeah, so, so so we, but we like him, so he would not be mm. a terrible choice for a fantastic He would not be a terrible choice. Louis Leterrier, who of course has experience in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, directed the, uh, Fourth best MCU movie in Incredible Hulk, uh, straight out the gate. <laughs> Which universe uh, have we stumbled into? I'm confused. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I forgot to say I'm a variant. Uh, and and uh, Louis Leterrier has taken himself off the board because he is. I don't think they, it's been officially announced, but he's certainly in talks to replace Justin Lin as director of Fast X. So he's off the table. Let's say Justin Lin's off the table. What are you looking for from a director from for Fantastic Four? You're looking for someone who can who can bring an earnestness to it. You someone who's got a bit of visual pizzazz. Yeah. Can I make a confession? Uh-huh. Yeah. You don't I like don't like the Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. No, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that doesn't surprise anybody, James. It really doesn't. I just I just I don't. And I did read the comics when I was much younger, but there's 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 a silliness. Fantastic Four, which I don't love. And look, I'm sure there are many people who know a lot more about comics, Titus Welliver <laughs> included, who could tell me why I am so very, very wrong about Fantastic Four and I'm willing to own that and accept it. But just in my experience of Fantastic Four, it's just like, again, like Bendy Stretcheroonie does like, as our very own Dan Jolin used to call Mr. Fantastic. That's a shit power. I'm sorry. It's, it's not a shit, shit power. It's not it's a shit, shit power. Cool. You're it a can shit be power. very cool. I think, look, I think done well, they can be brilliant. Um, I, I'm not convinced they've Evidence been done. Evidence to the contrary. <laughs> well, I'm not, like, they haven't been done brilliantly so far. No, I mean, the, the no, 2015 film I thought was was dreadful, but there might be something in what it was trying to do. I think there's something in the idea of these people being, <laughs> no, but there's something in the idea of these people being particularly bound together by what they've been through, by having been through this transformative very difficult experience and, being bent and and having, yeah. And having, you know, their bond be as close as it is because of that. Like that's a good idea from the 2015 one or something mm. you could kind of I take from. I just thought it was just, it was just a very bad, bad film and, and their treatment of Sue Storm, I will not forgive anyway. But um, yeah, I, I'd, it could be done well. It could really be done well. And I think in the MCU, it could be, Fantastic. Uh, listen, like. I think, yeah, I, I, I actually think that the two Tim Story films, uh, although not very good, almost got close to the tone that the Fantastic Four should have for mm. me. And that's which what worries is me. 
jolly and upbeat and there there should be great interplay between these characters in case you don't know who they are they are reed richards uh sue storm johnny storm her brother and ben Grimm, who are four uh people who you know reed richards is the smartest man alive he is an uber genius that makes tony stark look like me and and they are the first family of Marvel. They are the basically the the first creations, I believe, weren't they? They were the first. They were the first ones out the gate. For, yeah, first sort of super team, anyway. I think if I remember correctly. Yeah, which is I think why they are what they are. They're a product of their era. Hmm. They're the first family of Marvel. They were one of the first, if not the first, creations out the gate from the the Stanley Jack Kirby uh, incredible wave of creativity that that. Uh, that gripped that place in the in the early sixties in particular, uh, and they fly into space and they get bombarded by cosmic rays, and those cosmic rays transform them, give them incredible powers or what seemed like incredible powers in the early nineteen sixties, uh, and they turn Reed Richards into Mister Fantastic, who is able to stretch his body in incredible, Rubbish. fantastic ways. Sue Storm becomes the Invisible Girl now, woman, uh, and it's a statement on the politics of the era, I think. But anyway, <laughs> let's move on. So, uh, and. Uh, she can disappear at will. Uh, She's also got all kind sounds- of force fieldy type yes, powers. Yes. Yes, she could do all sorts of stuff now. In the end, uh, Johnny Storm becomes a human torch, so he's like super hot uh, on mm. and off flame. Am I hey. right? Mm. <laughs> and uh, Ben Grimm, one of the greatest characters in the MCU, mm. becomes this kind of tortured, uh, troubled soul called the Thing because he transforms into this this super strong, rocky creature. Yeah, and um, and then it basically kicks off the Hulk for thirty years. The question, of course, has to be whether or not this film will pick up on the critical mythological conversation between Stan Lee and Jason Lee in Mallrats. Uh, and we will find oh, out boy. really the true nature of the thing's thing. <laughs> oh, no. I have so many questions as well. Like, Reed Richards, I mean, if you could stretch every part of your body. Anyway. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, oh. Yeah, I, I don't know who the director is for this. I mean, Peyton Reed had a really uh, strong pitch for the Fantastic Four years ago, uh, where he wanted to set it in the 1960s. And we don't know how the Fantastic Four are going to be introduced into the MCU, whether they're going to be, you know, there's some sort of multiversal shenanigans where they're brought into our world from mm. another world, or, you know, are they time travelers, or do they just turn up? Do they just arrive, uh, you know, because that's interesting, because they were the first in the um, in the Marvel Universe. And then could you port them into a world where they're maybe not quite as significant in terms of power or in terms of stature? But yeah, there's a lot of stuff. There's a very, it's really interesting, tough nut to crack. Not least, how do you do Doctor Doom properly? Yeah, well, not like 2015. That's, a, that's Or indeed the, the Tim Story movies. Or indeed the Tim Story movies. Mm, you know, yeah, that, but uh, it, it is tantalizing. It's like, if you get it right, it is a really, really great property. Yeah. And I'm sad that John Watts has, has, has stepped away. Yeah, but honestly, if he needs a break, I mean, I think we can all understand where he's coming from. So uh, best yes. of luck to him. And, and we're looking forward, I think, to see wh- whatever he does next, whenever he does it. Well, he's got this movie with George Clooney and Brad Pitt, which is a thriller mm. that he's written that I think was always set up as the next project he would do post Spider-Man No Way Home. And then I think the expectation was that he would come back from that into mm. Fantastic Four. But, you know, No Way Home, those three movies, he made those in five years so the, you know that's an exhausting thing. So step away for a little bit. The, there was the the article talking about this in the trades said that the expectation is that he will come back and do more Spider Man down the line, but they just don't know quite when that is. So I'm I'm happy with that. If that's the outcome, great. 
The other thing that was announced last week, just as we pressed upload on the podcast, was the announcement of the title, not just for Mission Impossible 7, but for Mission Impossible 8 as well. And this was part of CinemaCon, uh, where they showed the trailer for Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1, which is now what Mission Impossible 7 is called. And Mission Impossible 8, well, you can guess. What's it called? <laughs> Mission Impossible Dead the Reckoning live Part reckoning. 2. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm not wild about the Part 1, Part 2, but that's just me. Why not? I, I just, it, it bothers me. Like, because, like, I mean, I'm, I, I know this we're going to follow on, and I know it becomes a two-part story, but I just, I don't know. It, it No. I can't, I can't articulate it any better than that. I don't have anything other than a visceral dislike because it makes me tired. The thought that I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, this is only half a film. Oh, I have to wait for the next one. That, that it, it makes me tired. <laughs> That's all I've got for you. <laughs> I don't right. like it. Make it stop. Okay. All right. It's interesting. What does it mean? What does the title Dead Reckoning mean? Zombies. Zombies. Precisely. Zombies. <laughs> 100% zombies. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Because De- well, Dead Reckoning actually was the uh, the original title for what became George A. Romero's Land of the Dead. It was uh-huh. Dead Reckoning for the longest time. The vehicle that they travel, they, they drive in that um, movie is Dead Reckoning. That's what it was named after. Uh, and there's a Humphrey Bogart film from the 40s called Dead Reckoning. Well, I think it's all going to hark back to Mission Impossible 3 and the rabbit's foot is going to turn out to be literally the foot of a dead zombified rabbit. And that is going to be the cause Whoa. of the outbreak. Well, thank God they've got Simon Pegg on hand, because that dude has <laughs> got zombies. form. He, he does, yeah. He knows how to battle zombies. Uh, I'm still excited about this. I you know, I, I think it's a very intriguing decision, strategical decision. Uh, the trailer I haven't seen, because we weren't at CinemaCon. I have been lucky enough to see something uh, of Mission 7, uh, whenever they showed Top Gun Maverick to journalists last year, and they had a little Mission 7 featurette beforehand, which had some jaw-dropping stuff in it. So, yeah, in McHugh and Cruise, we trust. Absolutely. Anyway, speaking of trailers, uh, a trailer I haven't seen uh, because they didn't show it before my screening of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and I was unable to attend the rotating screening of it. It's on basically screening on a loop in London for a couple of days this week. Uh, is the trailer for Avatar, The Way of Water. Mm. Uh, Jimbo and Helen, you've both seen the trailer. At uh, least which still isn't online. Ten right? times, I think, yeah. we watched it pretty much, because I watched it that night that we went to the presentation, and yeah. then the next morning multiple times as well. Oh, right. Yeah, and I saw yeah. it four times, and then once again in, t- in front of Doctor Doctor Strange, so yeah. quite a lot. Um, it looks like an Avatar film, and it reminds you how gorgeous yeah. um, it, it is to go back to Pandora. I think that the it's not entirely clear. Well, anything is not. It's not entirely clear at the moment. Like it's very, very light. Obviously, on story, it's it's got one line of dialogue in the entire trailer. Yeah, it's much more about mood and feel, and reminding you that these characters exist. It looks like there are a lot of new characters around um, Jake Sully and Nateri, including, of course, their children, who I think are going to be a big part of this. I think there's going to be cute kids running around. People's opinion on that may rather vary. Kill Um, me now, be a man. (laughs) And we also see um, humanity once again, I think, coming Mm. for Pandora. And we see more militarised avatars coming. Yes. So there is, 
as Alan says, not a lot happens in this trailer. It's not an action trailer. It is a mood trailer. There is one, and I'm not going to say it because I wait until people see the trailer. There is one very important plot point, which mm. is one not spoiled. It is deliberately divulged in this yeah. trailer. And it's a big one. It is a big one. So that's a bit of a wow moment. But I think for me, I am, to coin a phrase, profoundly in love with Pandora. And I uh, I, I, just, I think it's it's just stunning. And we, I mean, look, we talked about this last week, probably the week before, almost certainly the week before that. Like Avatar <laughs> was a fucking brilliant film. And this, you know, if you've forgotten why Avatar was brilliant, and let's be honest, it's easy to forget. Like if a TV show goes away for one year, you forget all about it because there's so much shit happening. Avatar is like 13 years old, so everyone's forgotten about it. But I think this, watching this footage watching this first teaser like made me realize that this is event cinema like this is proper market in your calendar book your 3d imax ticket ahead of time and make sure you're fucking there cinema because it's absolutely staggering and the visuals and avatar you watch avatar now you watch it this evening and i told you it was made this year you would believe it because it has aged brilliantly but you watch this footage and it has advanced the detail in these characters a hundredfold like it looks so much better and some of the stuff in this is breathtakingly mm. beautiful it there's really some, really there's is some water footage that is oh, just dropped out gorgeous incredible absolutely incredible um, and i think you know it's 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 cameron's long standing interest in the oceans uh, being married with his love of tech and and pandora as well so i'm i'm excited to see all of that i i i feel like there's a there's going to be a lot of new characters clearly to get our heads around yeah um and I, I weirdly i find the avatars looked maybe less like their human actor counterparts this time than they did before to me but again, that's on like seconds of footage, so it may become very, very clear when I watch it who's who. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see it. Just and okay. the 3D, it's worth mentioning. Like we we've talked about this before. Like we all roll our eyes when we go into film and it's in 3D because it's like, oh fuck off. Like it's just so tedious because Avatar put 3D on the map properly because it was part of that immersive experience, and then everyone else just capitalised on the fact they could charge more for cinema tickets and did these sort of slightly shonky 3D conversions of things. But mm. this looks like it feels like something you want to see in 3d you want to experience this in 3d as cameron intended uh and i just yeah i got sucked into it partly by that as well yeah 3d orchestrated by a director who knows what they're doing hmm. yeah who yes. pioneered the camera system used to create it well yeah, yeah. That too. but mm. i mean but that was always the way like when you know when spielberg and scorsese made 3d films they were markedly better than the average because they weren't into 3d exploitation in the same way that cameron isn't they're more about just giving mm. depth and giving an extra literal dimension yeah. to Removing the story. Removing a barrier to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Another dimension, another dimension, <laughs> another dimension, another dimension. Rather than just having, you know, things fly at you out of the screen. So yeah. I, I'm super hey, excited to see what he does. There is a place for like 3D that. movies in which things gratuitously fly at the screen. You were talking to a fan of Journey to the Centre of the Earth, which is nothing yeah. but things flying at you from the middle of the screen. I'm and just going to say it. along those lines, Hannah, never watch the aristocrats in 3D. Just, just put that out there. <laughs> oh, God. Why? Because it's a bunch of comedians telling a joke in 3D? Yes, yes, that's the reason. Not because it? things come flying out of the screen you at you. Have you the Aristocrats, James? We have talked way too much about the Aristocrats lately. We have, but it doesn't make it into the show because I always cut you it always out. You always cut it out. You always cut it out. All of our Aristocrats riffs, and yeah. almost yes. certainly for the best. Probably was. Almost certainly yeah. for the best. Occasionally, Gilbert Gottfried will show up uh, in one of these recordings and uh, go off on one uh, for a little bit. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> maybe, well, maybe one day, maybe you one day, Gilbert. Every time you're like, this may be the week where Gilbert makes it into the final cut of the podcast. 
I feel Gilbert might have to be in a live show. Uh, I feel, <laughs> maybe, he has to be in a, in a forum where he can't be cut out. Yeah, this, uh, is <laughs> this is not that week. This is not that week. I'm not going to do it. Uh, anyway, uh, that's very exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm going to see Doctor Strange uh, again. So I will, I will get the chance to wallow in the waters of Pandora. Mm. Uh, uh, with the trailer. Uh, very excited about the film, less yeah. excited about the kids. Yeah, I know. There's, there's a bit of a worry there, but I'm sure that, look, it's James Cameron and yes. his kids are, tend to be better than most. So There was a kid crossed. in Aliens, for God's sake. It was exactly. Newt, one of the great movie kids. Yeah. Uh, John Connor in Terminator 2, one of the great movie kids. So, yeah, in JC we trust. There was also a trailer this week for Don't Worry Darling. That's the new film from Olivia Wilde with uh, Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. I'll be honest, uh, I don't think it's spoilerific, but it might make you think it is. There's a lot going on in this trailer, but it gives you a real idea of this, the the sense of cool and the sense of um, intrigue and mystery in this film, I think. I, I'm, I'm very hyped for this one. It's got a really good cast. Chris Pine is in there as well. Gemma Chan's in there. Uh, Olivia Wilde herself takes a role. I'm really intrigued to see what she does with this one because it's going to be very, very different from Booksmart. I must confess, I stopped watching this trailer halfway through because I was like, nope, that is showing me too much of this movie. Uh, so it looks great, though. It looks yeah, really, really cool. it looks really, really good. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I'm avoiding the full trailer for this one. But don't worry, darling. Looks very, very exciting indeed. Uh, also exciting, my God, what a segue, uh, is the news <laughs> that the Quiet Place prequel that will be directed by Pigs, Michael Sarnowski, has now got a title... And from a the title, pig. we can... A quiet pig. <laughs> a quiet pig. Nicholas Cage has to hunt for a pig, but really, really silently. Um, and it's going to be called A Quiet Place Day One. Mm. So it's a prequel, and it won't feature John Krasinski or Emily Blunt or any of the Abbott kids. Well, I guess we saw their day one in yeah. A Quiet Place Part Two. It's a very risky proposition, this, because as ever, when you pull back the curtain this far with an origin story, you risk fucking up the entire saga because people always say all prequels are fine they don't affect but they do because you can't then watch the first one without having all this shit in your head that's not to say it will be shit but unless they make it properly good the kind of emergence event emergence day uh i it could be it could be a misstep yeah but we've we've seen that kind of frenetic thing already and people trying to figure out the rules as they go yeah like bird so, box which i love and i am yeah, alone in but yes i know but uh, <laughs> but you know there's so there might there, there there's some stuff to play with here i think it could be interesting at least and if they do almost like real time kind of thing with it i think and put it in a very different location yeah you could be on something so well my issue with part two was that it was basically a remake of part one it just yeah. felt like it hit a lot of the same notes and this at least feels like it's trying something new so that's yes yeah, absolutely yeah good. we've long said that this premise could withstand multiple treatments. You could have, you know, you could have a quiet place in a high-rise building. You could have a quiet place, you know, from the viewpoint of the government, and you know, they try and mobilize a, a, a response to this this alien invasion. Uh, you could have a quiet place from the viewpoint of the scientists trying to figure out a way to, to combat it all. You could have all sorts of stuff. Um, so I'm I'm tentatively excited about this. Mm. I must say, although it is one of those premises that when you begin to really dig into it, you go, okay, because obviously they're formidable creatures, these alien creatures, but it wouldn't take more than a couple of days, I think, for them to cotton on to the frequency thing, surely. And it wouldn't take more than a couple of days for them to 
Having said that, we've lived through two years of governments <laughs> kind, well, of, kind of keystone cops in the whole, <laughs> the whole thing. So maybe they would fuck it up in the first 48 hours Almost and certainly. just leave everyone to, to deal with it on their own. Anywho, uh, that's exciting. Anything else? John Woo is remaking The Killer with a peacock. So that's an unusual... No, that's not what? true. John Woo is remaking The Killer for Peacock, uh, the streaming service. Obviously, John Woo has yeah. been looking to remake the, the Killer for quite a long time, but this is now uh, this is now moving ahead, and it's going to be on streaming service Peacock. So when you say he's remaking The Killer with... As a as a, an American movie? With well, American I, actors? That's my understanding, yes. Yeah. So he's been planning to do this... And it's gone through a few different iterations. I think Lupita Nyong'o was going to be starring it at one point. He was going to direct it. I He's definitely attached to this Peacock version. Whether he's actually directing, I couldn't say for sure. I think he might be. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, more killer. Less filler. Less filler. <laughs> yeah. And there's the Obi-Wan trailer. Yes. Obi-Wan. Kenobi. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, containing the sickest burn of the year, I'm <laughs> <It> saying. Is. <laughs> <laughs> Which is? Which is Uncle Owen saying, like you did his father. Yes, when, I, must when, tra- I must train the boy. The boy <laughs> must be trained. I must train him. Mr. Grimsdale, that's what he says. And then <laughs> Owen, uh, played once again by Joel Edgerton, yeah. goes, what, like he trained his dad. Yeah, and then he pulls oh, out a mic and drops it in the sand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, listen, I, I, I theorized this on Twitter the other day, but I, I now have strong suspicions that Obi-Wan orchestrated the deaths of Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru <laughs> as payback for that because he he was playing the long game. Uh, you know, how convenient it is that he wasn't there at the Lawrence homestead on the day that the Empire showed up. Ben mentioned this in the office the other day. It is wild that Star Wars was a U for so many years when it has the charred and smoking corpses of Uncle Owen and Aunt Baru featuring quite prominently... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, listen, crispy fried and Peru goes goes down well with a nice oh, no. glass of cool, refreshing blue oh, milk. My God, <laughs> would you oh, like boy. a piece of, of, of char grilled Uncle Owen? Anybody? It's like, it's like that and like Disney's Fox-based Robin Hood on the same <laughs> BBFC rating. No wonder there's a generation of traumatized children. <laughs> uh, but what do we think of the trailer in general? Good, good. Made me excited. Like, obviously, there are a few John Williams-esque notes in there. It didn't have the... Like, so the previous teaser, and I said this at the time, leaned heavily on Duel of the Fates, and that did a lot of heavy lifting there, and you were like, oh, that looks so good. This doesn't have that, but it feels interesting, and obviously it had a lot of the livery. We've got Stormtroopers. We've got a bit of Vader action in there. Uh, it, it ticks all the right boxes. It gets you in the warm and fuzzies. Uh, you know, like, so I'm excited about it. It got me psyched, but... In the back of my head, like my alarm is going off. My, my spidey sense is tingling that, again, like you risk fracturing the multiverse when you play in this sandpit. Like if you fuck about too much in the origin space, you risk breaking your toys. And that's always my concern. Mm. I, yeah, I, I do have slight um, quibbles with the Vaderness, as I think it's where most of my concern is coming from. I mean, there is a blank slate as far as Kenobi himself is concerned. And there is probably space to play there. And the idea that they have that, you know, Jedi hunters are still going around and, you know, trying to find all the remaining Jedi solid, we've been there before, but solid, you know, basis for a Star Wars show. But the, um, once you start bringing Vader into it, I feel like you start risking stepping onto the main timeline too much and, and mm-hmm. just messing things up. And especially when they've got Hayden Christensen in there. So what, we're going to see him potentially? Like, I'm not sure of the value of that but so we either see him with his helmet off which defaders him a little bit mm-hmm. or we see flashbacks 
But maybe it, flashbacks, yeah. I guess. But then you know, mm. I don't know. If if he doesn't have Sebastian Shaw's eyebrows, I riot. <laughs> That's the hill you're going to die yeah. on. Yeah, okay. 100%. yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, I'm slightly worried about the faderiness of it as well because I, I think they might lean into the fan servicey side of, of Fader the same way they did with Rogue One. Uh, just to show how ultimately badass Fader is. Look at him taking out a bunch of dudes in a way that he never did in the <laughs> other movies. And I, I do have a slight worry about that. Also, if they are going to confront each other, which it seems certain that they are, it, it can't be on Tatooine, right? It can't be on Tatooine. Well, it makes I mean, no sense at all yeah. because he continues to live there. So. Yes, under uh, under the same name. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to change my name to Ben. Yes, Hang on a minute. No one suspects ben, of Ben. Ben, is it Obi-Wan Travis? Who knows? <laughs> Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan Travis. <laughs> That's a name I've not heard in a long time. Uh, a long time. Uh, anyway, it looks great. You know, mm. and we, we do get to see other worlds and other characters. We've got to see Kamel Nanjiani for the first time in this trailer, so... Uh, and we still don't really know what the plot is. Nothing. And, you know, listen, Joel Edgerton, uh, since he last played Owen Lars in the prequels, has become a fantastic actor. He's become a bit of a movie star in his own right, and he has become a great director in his own right. So there must be something in this material to get Ewan back, to get him back, uh, and to get some really great people in the cast. So excited. I'm yeah. excited about it. The trailer, the trailer made me feel good Star Wars feels, and that's, that's yeah. after the Book of Boba Fett, that is a good place to be. Right, James talked about fracturing the multiverse, and I think that is a nice way to introduce this week's guest. Hurrah! Hooray! Good old James with his lovely segues. <laughs> because our guest this week is Elizabeth Olsen, who plays Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch, in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. All very, very exciting. It is not just a sequel to Doctor Strange or Avengers Infinity War or <laughs> Endgame or any of those other movies. It is also a sequel to WandaVision last year's Excellent MCU show, which is on Disney+. And so Elizabeth Olsen, who has been playing Wanda now since 2014, when she first pops up at the end of Captain America, The Winter Soldier, was in London last week to promote the movie. And I had a good old chat with her over Zoom. Yes, she was in London. I was in London. And yet we did this on Zoom. That's, that's just one of the many bizarre things about this interview, because I hadn't seen the film. They, they hadn't shown me the film ahead of this interview. Uh, she hadn't seen the film ahead of this interview. So we had to kind of talk around that. We couldn't really talk about Wanda or what she does in the film, because I'd seen 20 minutes of Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness but she was only in about 90 seconds of those 20 minutes <laughs> so we had a somewhat limited window of multiverse of madness <laughs> chat so instead we talk about other things her love of london and how she has shaped and developed this character over the last decade or so uh, i always have a lot of fun talking to elizabeth olsen and i hope you guys will have a lot of fun listening to it here we go do please enjoy we are delighted to be joined on the emperor podcast by the star of doctor strange in the multiverse of madness elizabeth olsen how the devil are you? I'm doing great. I'm always very happy to be in London or England generally. Do you get a chance to get out? Because, you know, I, I, I imagine you do. You, 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 you were here shooting the film for about six months, weren't you? So, Oh, yes. But I also, I was able to enjoy the beautiful weekend that um, that London had, this sunny weather. So, but uh, yes, I when I was filming in Richmond, I, I mean, I, I wasn't filming in Richmond. I was living in Richmond. We were filming Doctor Strange and... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm very, I'm so close to trying to get an alien visa, I have to say. I love it here very much. 
I, I you always... think I'm joking, and I'm no. not. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not at all. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah. So, so so what's what's your what's your London haunt? Don't tell me everywhere you go, but what's what's your London tip? What if you, if someone was coming here and they and you had a, a a tip for a tourist? Where would you go? Where would Elizabeth Olsen say that you should go? I just love the Heath so much. Okay. And so I know that's, but I also just like walking around aimlessly. I, I have walked from, I walk everywhere when I'm here. People thought when I was living here when we were filming Ultron, I would walk the canals from um, Primrose, get off in Angel, and then like walk the streets and walk all the way to Shoreditch. I just like covered London by foot all the time. Um, wow. And then I would do it the other way. Um, to the west side, and so I, I'm, I just love being here so much. I feel safe here, um, even though it's also like wild. But I do feel very safe in this city, um, and yeah. So I, I, I just love being here. That's amazing. And the parks, the parks, the parks, the parks. Like every city needs to have beautiful parks, and the parks here are unbelievable. Yeah, I live I live in Greenwich, so I live right by one of the most amazing parks in the city. Mm. It's it's extraordinary, but it sounds to me like are you aware of the? Um, I know this is a strange tangent, but but go with me. Uh, are you aware of what London cab drivers have to do in order to get their license? The, the it's called the knowledge. I I'm aware of a, only a little bit from um, the docu series um, Seven Seven Up or Seven. Yes. What is it called? Yeah, the Michael Lapted series, one where it follows yes. people every seven years. Yes, and one of the characters was getting his um, black cab license, and so I just remember the amount of work that he was doing in that documentary. But that's really <laughs> it. Why? I was just going to say because it sounds to me like you could uh, apply for this. Your knowledge mm. of London, you've walked the streets, you know it intimately. It's 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 back alleys, it's corners, it's dark corners. I wish I remembered it better. Sadly, I feel like that was that was such, that was like eight. How long ago did we film? Ultron, maybe eight years ago or something. Richmond, I know very well now. Okay. Because that was just last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. God, I was on set of um, Age of Ultron yes. uh, 2014. Uh, so were you, obviously. Okay. Uh, but yeah. yeah, got it. Which, which, is, which is wild. I mean, when you first came on board, um, and finally we could talk about Wanda now. <laughs> when you first came on board, did you know I me? Mean, because when, you, when you're signing on to the MCU, even back then, you figure that you're going to be in for the long haul. But here we are, eight, nine years after you first signed on to that little cameo at the end of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And yeah. now here you are, it, you're still playing Wanda in all her complexity and the way she's developed. It must, it must have, you know, that must be a surprise to you still. Such a surprise. I mean, I, I also didn't sign up for a big contract with Marvel. Okay. Um. So... I continue to be surprised every time they use me. Um, I didn't because I wasn't um, like a title character. So you don't do that same contract of multiple, multiple movies. You only do like a little bit at a time. And so I actually actually wasn't put in that situation. So it's even more surprising that when when Kevin asked me to do WandaVision, it was so terrifying because I got very comfortable um, taking up my little space, my little lane in these ensemble films, the pressure of the of leading one uh, came. It only hit me when we were doing press for it, not when we were making it. Um, but um, yeah, it was. It it definitely feels different than than how I started out. Oh, that's interesting. So so you so you haven't you didn't sign on to that big 
you know, because Sam Jacks when he signed on, it was nine movies and roughly, yes. you know, nine movies. Wasn't it? Wasn't anything like that? No, nothing like that. Have you been doing the last couple for free? Then? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's <laughs> I was kind just of, like, oh, we don't need a contract. We'll just, yeah. I'm just happy to be here. I trust you guys. It's, it's all good. It's <laughs> In kind good of, faith. It's a buy one, get one free situation. That's mm-hmm. the, it's, it's one of those. Uh, but... So, so that means then that you you could have, you know, obviously you can you've you've the power to say no, but yes, there's a reason. One division is a huge opportunity. Was this yeah. in a way because I've spoken to Sam Raimi, I spoke to Jack Schaefer uh, about One Division, and I know these movies um, were conceived and the and One Division were conceived relatively speaking at the same time. There's a lot of back and forth about what Wanda is doing. So, was yeah. this in a way presented to you at the same time? Let's do One Division, and then you will barrel straight into this. Yes, but they didn't know what Doctor Strange would be. They knew what WandaVision would be. Um, so I didn't know what Doctor Strange. We had those. We had the six months break when we were filming WandaVision um, because of the pandemic. Yeah. And it was a couple weeks before I went back to finishing WandaVision during the pandemic. Okay. That I was um, verbally explained the Doctor Strange plot. <laughs> So I was like, oh, wow, I would have loved this information before we did WandaVision. But they kind of, that is the thing. Like when people think that, you know, our mouths are sealed with, um, our lips are sealed with, you know, not wanting to expose the future. We don't know the future. (laughs) There's like truly nothing I could share because I find out two weeks or a month before I shoot the thing. So Wow. Wow. And and has it changed? Because I, again, I got the feeling I spoke to Michael Waldron and and Sam uh, about this movie, and you know, it's changed a lot since its original inception with uh, with Scott Derrickson yeah. a few years ago. Uh, did the movie as it is now, which I have to say for people listening at home, this will be out confusingly after the movie is out, but I haven't seen the movie yet, so right. <laughs> it's okay. one of those. It's one of those, but. The movie as it is now, is it substantially different from what you were pitched at that time or is it relatively the no, same? No, I never knew the earlier iterations of okay. the of this story. So when even people would like talk to me on set as, you know, explaining, oh, well, you know how it was before. I had no, I, I, I didn't know anything until it's more or less this story. Um, I still don't really know what it was before. They've tried to explain it to me and it goes way over my head. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, don't worry, don't worry about that. That's, that's, that's yeah. fine. That's in the past. That yeah. is not happening. That's in the multiverse. That's that's all good. Uh, but with this, and again, I haven't seen the movie yet, but, um, uh, but with and this. And me neither, by the way. Have you not? No, I haven't even seen the 20 minutes that they shared. See, I've seen the 20 minutes. Yeah. But here's the thing. You turn up. And then it stopped. <laughs> and so I saw the scene with you and Benedict and you're, you're clipping the trees. Yes. It's all very lovely. And yes. then we don't really know where Wanda goes with that. But sure. my understanding from talking to people, uh, and obviously this is a multi-first and it involves variants and whatnot, that this offers you and Benedict, both Benedicts and Chiwetel and pretty much everybody in the cast, a chance to play, shall we say, different versions of these characters you've been playing for for so long and that must be really fun really interesting unique opportunity to put a different spin on characters well you're getting into territory that starts to scare me because you're actually talking about the film so i will just kind of pivot and say i think it's really exciting 
that we that just that the multiverse exists uh-huh. because how often are we in the space of, or oh, I wonder what would have been yeah. had I made a different decision or a different choice. Yes. Um, and so I do think there is this, there is this kind of endless opportunity that Marvel has created by, by opening up the multiverse. And so I, that's very fun to me as an actor as well. Beautifully done. Uh, I have to say, uh, the the best scenario like this, where we're, we're talking about something we can't talk about that I've ever had, yes, is when I interviewed Henry Cavill for the Justice League movie, sure. and uh, he couldn't say that he was in the movie, and so we were speaking for twenty minutes, and we I knew he was in the film, he knew he was in the film, but we couldn't say he was in the film. So, so what were you guys pretending you were talking about? I think video games, largely. Pretty much. <laughs> See, you and I couldn't talk about that. <laughs> I don't do those. <laughs> See, nor, nor do I. So I was bluffing. Oh, amazing! I was really bluffing for Britain. I have, to, I have to say. Oh, wow. So, so you're, not, you're not a gamer, then? No, I'm not a gamer. All right. Okay. I like. I played the games when I was when I was in my youth. Um, <laughs> but I, I always, I yeah, I I'm not a I'm not a gamer. Okay. I hardly have television on. And if it's not dark out, there's no film or TV on. <laughs> Music only or silence. Music only or silence. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's until, the... until, until dark. That, what happens after dark? Uh, what happens after dark is um, a, dis- a big decision has to be made about what will be on the television. <laughs> <laughs> and it's mostly a sporting event. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, gotcha. I love my sports. And, and that's the exception for the day rule as well, is if it is a sporting event that, that needs to be watched, like the Dodgers. Okay. 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 So we're yeah. talking American sports here. You, you haven't picked yes. up a love of British sports from your time spent over here? No, uh, not really, but I do enjoy, I do enjoy a, a football game. Um, but I don't have I don't have loyalty to a team that I'm rooting for, and I don't know the players. <laughs> I'll know like Messi or whatever. <laughs> like and like that's all I've got. <laughs> that's fine. That's a good place yeah. to start. That is a good place yeah. to start. Well, let's talk about something that I think we can talk about. Sure. Which okay. is Sorry. your past as as Wanda, and yeah. and what it is, what it's like for you in a way. You know, being the constant throughout all these different iterations throughout. You know, Age of Ultron and the movies you made with the Russo brothers, and then you know, you know Jack Schaefer and, and Matt Shackman on WandaVision, and now here with with Sam uh, Sam Raimi on this movie, the constant is you. Mm-hmm. So, how involved have you been over the years in shaping Wanda and where where she goes because she's such an intriguing character? I haven't. I wasn't that involved until really. Involved in the sense where they would ask me, do you have any ideas about where you'd want to go next? Like that, that is how I was involved in the earlier films. Um, And most I was just like happy to be there. So I didn't really um, have too many um, things I was pitching. I was just very happy to be there and to always have something to play. I never felt like I didn't have an arc to play. Um, So I was just grateful that I was one of the characters who got that. Um, or who did something that affected the film, um, yep. which, you know, not that, that, that doesn't have to be the case all the time. And it was for me. And I was very grateful for that with WandaVision. It was definitely Jack wanting to, to work with me on what, I mean, she wanted to pick my brain, but the truth was, is she had already knew everything. She already understood everything that was played 
Paul and I would create these little uh, moments in between the films where we had assumed something happened or I would create some sort of backstory in my mind um, from her childhood that led to where she was. And Jack felt that, saw that. I don't know how she intuited it. Um, and then she put it in WandaVision, all these little moments that um, that we stitched together. And then also she invented some really big things that shifted, like the dark hold. And, you know, that this this idea that Wanda is actually a mythic person and has a destiny um, that is that it was set out for her mm-hmm. and th- that she presents to her at the end of WandaVision. Yes. And so I just, I really, that's like a whole new journey now that we get to have with the character. Um, and I was so grateful that she could also interpret all this from the past and then present an amazing opportunity, opportunity forward. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Speaking of amazing opportunities, because it was, you know, a, a chance for you to stretch in multiple ways, shooting in front of a live studio audience and and uh, approaching certain episodes with a very, very sitcom-y Five, yeah, but at the same time, it's this really, really deep and complex exploration of mental health and grief and loss. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I guess we can get into spoiler territory for WandaVision a little bit, yeah. But I the, think so. The, the last conference, the last conversation that you had with, with, with Paul that Wanda has with, with Vision, I thought was absolutely heartbreaking. And getting a chance to play all that sort of stuff yeah. must be really fun for you. It was a playground. It really was that show. I, I like my whole body like woke up to, to have to play all the different tones and styles and um, this different genres, or I guess mostly sitcom, but the different versions of the sitcoms through the years. Um, and then to also have something grounded, it was, I mean, it truly was a gift of a job. And we also had so much fun making it. And that doesn't usually, there's, there's this kind of, theory that that the hard ones are the are the ones that do well or the ones that end up being successful Mm -hmm. um the ones that are really painful to make and this was like truly joyful and um had a kind of a shocking response for us all and it was it was an amazing opportunity and i really feel like it um it revitalized something in um, my own opportunities outside of marvel so Mm -hmm. there's a many there are many levels of me having a lot of gratitude um, for that show and for being a part of this, you know, MCU. Absolutely. And uh, so what is next for you? I know you've, you've just finished filming Love and Death. I did. I just finished filming Love and Death, which was hard and amazing. Um, and I am so excited for the world to see it in fall. Um, and I can't wait to see. We had such an incredible cast and crew. And it's a character that I just, I just adored. And um, and so that's really, that's really kind of it, uh, for, for acting. I'm going to do something with a friend in fall and maybe like, I don't know, I'm going to take some time off this summer. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, if I can yeah. suggest something, the Elizabeth Olsen London walking tour would be a great sideline. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you just take it's people the series. Yeah, well, you, well, yeah, yeah, precisely. That's it. Take this to National Geographic. You'll be absolutely fine. So you start yeah. off. You've got no Disney. idea where you're going. Disney, of course, Disney. There you go. <laughs> this is this is brand synergy in full effect. I, I love it. And, uh, um, I just want to ask real quick because I've got to let you go uh, about um, 
how far you've come in a way from that 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 shot where we first see you in uh, in Winter Soldier, where you're doing the playing with the the box the box thing. Yeah. Um, how how much did you have a handle on who Wanda was for that? Because that was presumably just one day. I mean, it's seriously Joss's creation. I mean, she really was from his mind. He he had the idea of how she physically moved that was interpreted through a choreographer mm. um, and me. And I think he created something that was unique to the MCU at that time and was um, a character that he, you know, had on the page with the comics, but he didn't want to create the version of the comics. He wanted to create something that was adjacent. And somehow since then we've gotten closer to the comics. And so it's been, it's been kind of this amazing journey, but, but there's, and since, since he kind of gave it to me with Ultron, I just took it with me um, for the ride. I feel, Um, but I do feel like I've, I feel, feel very protective over Wanda. And it's also kind of amazing that she's not a character that, we've seen in any other live action um, of these superheroes. So it's, it feels, it feels very personal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it's wild, isn't it? Just that one day on set doing those, those hand gestures and that locks yeah. you into to decisions you make seven, eight years down the line. It's yeah. It's and, and I mean, yeah, it locked us into WandaVision just in that one moment where she sees um, the light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was connected directly to that um cameo. So it's it was it was amazing to bring that back as well. Well, uh, I've got to let you go. Elizabeth Olsen, it's a pleasure talking to you as always. I look forward to the walking tour documentary. Uh Thank and, you. and Love and Death as well. Thanks very much, Steve. <laughs> Take care. Okay, so that was Elizabeth Olsen, and we will be talking about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness in just a few minutes, because there's only one place to start this week's reviews section, and that is with the movie that has the opposition running scared. That's why there's only really two movies to talk about this week. Not a lot out there in the old multiplex or sofaplex, but let's talk about The Contractor, the Chris Pine action movie, (laughs) which stars Chris Pine as the contractor. <laughs> yes. He has to build a garage extension for someone. He's brought in at the last moment when there's no one else available because of the pandemic. Yep. And he has to knock down a structure, put in the foundations and, and, and build it. And he does a great job. That's a spoiler. Wow. That's, <laughs> yeah, that sounds fascinating. <laughs> it's an audacious movie in which you have to wait in real time for the two weeks it takes to get the parts. Yes. It is, uh, yeah, well, this is Tariq Saleh's film and uh, it stars Chris Pine as James Harper and he is a uh, he's a soldier and he is discharged from the services for an addiction to painkillers or rather use of painkillers, not necessarily an addiction. Steroids. Uh, it was a steroid just for a knee injury that he has. And uh, as I think many people do when they leave the army, he is adrift, he doesn't know what to do and he gets sucked into the world of private military contractors uh, and is offered a rather large payday to help his family, which is struggling with debt, if he goes and does something which doesn't seem particularly bad or tricky or problematic. But, as you can well imagine, it all goes foobar very, very quickly. Uh, his wife in this plays by uh, Community's Gillian Jacobs, uh, also has Ben Foster in it as well. Kiefer Sutherland turns up as well as his sort of like new CO for this sort of PMC. Um, mm. What struck me about this film is it is in no hurry to go 
anyway. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so literally half an hour elapses before the film starts. And I don't mean the credits, like that would be ridiculous, but genuinely- How so fresh did that recently, in fairness? It, yeah, it's true. But, but it just, it ticks along, he loses his job, he ambles about, he chats with his family, and you're thinking, there is going to be contracting in your contractor <laughs> film, right? Like, yeah. And he finally gets there, and then it seems to be quite- it seems to latch onto this idea that PMCs are bad, as if this is something that no one has ever considered before. Like, and it's like, sure, this was never going to end well. And he goes into it, it all goes wrong. And then we get into a kind of like a man on the run, sort of Bourne-esque scenario. And that there's, that's quite fun. Like once it kicked into gear, I'd say about 45 minute mark, I actually got quite into this. There's some fun action mm. sequences, some surprises, some twists and turns. He's on the run, like who can he trust? Can he trust anyone? Uh, and I liked that. I think the only thing is it's very, very dangerous hour like it takes itself extremely seriously and i think you can have that if you frame the whole film that way but it also has sort of for want of a better word silly action sequences that they want to be yeah. spectacle and excitement and it doesn't really fit with the tone of the film and ultimately you know it doesn't have what I would call a particularly profound message to it. And it feel it would also peters out a little bit towards the end. I did enjoy this. I didn't think it was bad at all, but I don't think it really does anything new. That was that was my big takeaway as well. It wanted to be a you know personal focus character study of mm. this guy you know leaving the military, having gone to extraordinary lengths to try and stay in it, feeling a bit hard done by, but still wanting to do something on behalf of his country out of patriotism. And then being forced to question maybe some of those choices as a result of this new job. But it also wanted to have lots of men running through the streets with guns shooting at each other. And it's like it, they didn't particularly sit very well. And if you think about, you know, like especially the Paul Greengrass Bourne films mm. that did that very, very well. This, I don't think, manages to get that blend of action and sort of character work right. So it, it goes from too dour to too action-y and, and doesn't quite nail the switch in tone for me. I mean, good performances, mm. of course. You know, Chris Pine is never bad. It's just, yeah, it, it just feels like a lesser version of films we've seen done better. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say if you're looking for a Chris Pine, Ben Foster movie... Mm. Go see Hell or High Water instead. Absolutely, uh, it's it. You know, it was it's fine, but it, it felt to me a little bit. It's not as glossy or as uh, straight up action exploitation as, uh, say, Without Remorse was last year. But both yeah. those movies feel a little bit like they're trying to be throwbacks to uh, an earlier era of action movie, and they both miss the target in different ways by a fair amount. I would say it's you know, and when the action does kick in, it's 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 decent. It's, it's well staged. But um, it, it, I don't think it ever really reconciles the, its two halves. It, make up your mind what you want to be, in, yeah. in, in essence. Uh, do you want to be an in-depth character study, or do you want to be a balls-to-the-wall action movie? And uh, never really quite gets either mm. part right. But, it's, you know, it's fine. Mm. It's fine. It's, you know, you'll have an enjoyable couple of hours. It's on Prime videos. You can sit back in your sofa plex and just have a, a decent time with a, with a well-acted, well-staged Chris Pine movie, but it's mm. not quite as good as, as it could be. Uh, it was originally called, by the way, Violence of Action. Oh, that's... <laughs> which is possibly the worst title I've ever heard from a movie. That's a very word salad kind of title. Yeah. yeah. That's like one of those dreadful straight-to-video things that, you know, the likes of Bruce Willis or Frank Grillo would turn yeah, up in. Yeah, it's just like, it's, let's put together nouns. 
with conjunctions <laughs> and that's all we need. This film actually suffered a little bit for me that I watched this just before watching another film which we all saw yesterday, uh, which you can't really talk about, which knows what it is. Yes. It plays in this same arena, but it very much knows what it is and it has no sort of weird identity crisis. So mm. Mm. I know the movie you're talking about. Yes, indeed. Oh, <laughs> so then three stars then for the most three star movie in the history of three stars uh, it is three stars for the contractor next up it is the return of my beloved possessed good boy Sam Raimi as the director it's been too fucking long quite frankly since Sam Raimi directed a movie 2013 with Oz the Great and Powerful and he took well he didn't mean to take some time off a bunch of projects fell apart he spent a year on a Warcraft movie for example and then that didn't go uh, but he is back and he is back in the bosom of Marvel with Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness which of course is a direct sequel to Doctor Strange but also WandaVision and some other movies uh, in there as well Hell's Bells well, yes this film opens with a Doctor Strange uh, on the run with a character who we start, soon learn is America Chavez, played by Sochi Gomez. And um, she is someone who can jump between multiverses. She can travel between alternate dimensions. She comes into to the MCU dimension, if you will. I was going to call it ours, but that would be confusing. And meets our Doctor Strange, who then has to figure out what what's to do with her because she is essentially the walking, talking MacGuffin of this film. <laughs> Everybody wants America's power to travel between the multiverse realities. And the question is how to protect her, how to save her and how to stop very bad people from getting her power as the film goes on. So uh, Strange has to reach out to to Wong, uh, of course, played by Benedict Wong. He has to reach out to um, Wanda, played by Elizabeth Olsen, and uh, try whatever he can to keep this new girl safe. In the meantime, he's somewhat distracted by uh, the wedding of his ex, Christine, Rachel McAdams. Um, and then things go off in a big way. I, I think they this go is maximum off. They go maximum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, look, this is. Uh, I think this is quite a mid-tier Marvel movie, which is not an insult. Uh, mid-tier Marvel is still better than many, many uh, other franchises. But um, what we get is a lot of transdimensional travel. We get a lot of alternate versions of worlds and people who we may or may not already know. Um, and we get a lot of quite deep dives into Marvel lore. Um, now, I, I think you can keep up with this if you've never seen anything, but it wouldn't be ideal. You want to have seen Doctor Strange. It would be nice if you've seen WandaVision. That would be nice to know what where Wanda's coming from at the start of this film. You don't have to have done, but it would help. And um, and of course, you know the re the events of Endgame are referenced quite a bit, and it's interesting that they build in a little bit of kind of character work uh, for Doctor Strange here, with people questioning whether his one plan that played out in Endgame was really the only way to defeat mm. Thanos, and was he did you know half the universe really have to die for five years? Seriously, was that the only plan you could come up with, dude? You know, so um, so I thought that was kind of interesting because I wasn't I wasn't expecting him to have to reckon with much of that in this film, and he does. Um, that said, it's not a film with an enormous amount of maybe character forward motion for him. It is much more of a chase movie uh, from about 
I don't know, 20 minutes in, it, it's kind of banned on the run for the entire running time. As the first movie was. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. There's a, suppose there's so. a moment where there's a moment where Doctor Strange, I think it's about halfway through with, with the first Doctor Strange, where it does become a real-time chase movie. Yeah. Um, which is not like the contractor where you're waiting for two weeks for Chris Pine to be delivered parts, but you know, for yeah, from the from the attack on the different sanctum sanctums sanctorum, it it's uh, it becomes pretty frenetic, and this is this is I guess in the in the grand tradition of that one other movie. Mm, it's <laughs> funny you so. mentioned that, Helen. Like the the the. the required reading to get into this because they obviously made a big point when they launched Disney Plus is nobody needs to watch these shows. It's been nice if you do, fine, it ties in, but don't need to watch them. And this for me is the first film where you're just like, mm, don't you though? I think you might have to watch them a little bit because I feel like you were right. You could enjoy this film without having seen WandaVision, but you, I mean, lots of it, you'd be just like, I don't know what, 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 why this person is doing what they're doing just makes no sense to me. I feel like there's a there's it, that show does a lot of heavy lifting to set this up, and you know without going into any spoilers, there's a reasonable amount of sort of like additional reading that enhances this film. There's additional material that you could go into, yeah. uh, and so I just I cannot imagine like if if this is someone someone out there wanders into a cinema and this is their first MCU Wonders. movie, <laughs> what could what would be going through their mind just Blow, I can't even but imagine. I, I feel like that's been the case for a while with a lot of the movies. I mean, obviously, we've just had new characters in Shang-Chi and, and yeah. Eternals, and you could probably pick those up from zero. But with any sequel, you're going to be missing things, aren't you, if you if you haven't seen the original? So if you haven't seen the first Doctor Strange, yes, you're going to be at sea here a little bit. Um, but I don't think it's absolutely essential. I think they have still walked that line where you can pick up what's going on, even if you haven't seen WandaVision. Um and and there is a lot of fun here. I mean, there there are Raimi touches at the very least. Um, mm. There is probably a little bit more uh, gore, maybe, than we're used to in a Marvel movie. Um, I mean, the the thing at the beginning with the eye and the oh, yeah. tentacles, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. There are Leans some monsters into the horror, here, definitely. Yeah, there are some monsters here who will certainly scare, you know, the more delicate among us and or small children. Uh, and. And there's there's a little bit of kind of there are some emotional stakes that I think will will maybe test people as well. So it's not um, it's not a cute cuddly Marvel. It's brutal at times. Yeah. Actually, I was quite shocked with how far they take it from a scare slash gore point of view. I mean, they've kind of touted this as Marvel's first horror movie, and I think there's a real fairness in that. And there are moments of the. I mean, it's not quite the charred and smoking corpses of Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, but uh, <laughs> there are moments in this where I'm like, oh, you know, there's years of therapy ahead for some kids after that. Um, Interesting. But it's, yeah. I mean, it's the thing with this, like, and I, I genuinely really like this. I thought it was great. I've, I've often, often said that Doctor Strange is one of, if not the most underrated, the MCU movies, because I think it's fucking brilliant. And I think he's amazing in it. And so I love this character. So I was very much in the tank for this for the get-go. I think things happen in this a lot of things happen all things everything everywhere all at once in many ways <laughs> and uh so that the sort of velocity of this film and the amount of just crazy shit that it throws at you maybe papers over the fact that the character motivations and indeed depth isn't quite there in this mm. film i think uh that said it didn't ruin my enjoyment uh i think there's tons of stuff going on i think it is brilliant i do think weirdly you know having alluded to it that the proximity of this release to everything everywhere all at once which is thematically similar in a number of ways uh is an odd one i watch these on subsequent nights i watch this and then i watch everything everywhere the night afterwards so uh it was quite a week for multiversing um 
And yeah, it, let's just say it's 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 an, an, an interesting double bill. Yeah, I'm not going to get into talking about that until next week. No, but we'll um, talk about that next week. Yeah. yeah, but I I do think there's the, yeah there's some there's some really really cool ideas here. There's some really fun bits of execution. Um, I had a lot of fun with it. I saw it twice in one day. I still enjoyed it a second time around. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the predator's gambit, as I call it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I but I wouldn't. I'm you know it's not going to trouble my Marvel top ten. It's somewhere in the teens probably. That's fair. But I often feel like to break the top 10 at this point is quite difficult. Like, yeah. you know, uh, I think it, You've it's You've got to get past like, like all the cap movies. I mean, it's uh, very, no, very hey, Come on, steady, steady. Uh, <laughs> steady now. Yeah, no, I, I, I like this. I mean, it, it has polarised people and I completely understand why. And it is batshit insane from top to bottom. Uh, but I think that's part of its charm. Um, and I do think the, uh, should we say, there are elements in this film that we obviously cannot talk about, which will polarise people. Some people will love it and some people will roll their eyes and hate it. And that's fine. Hmm. How about you, Chris? I mean, was there enough Raimi in this for you? Yeah, I've seen this being discussed an awful lot on, you know, about the authorship of this movie. And, you know, would the Marvel machine allow enough Sam Raimi? Because you hire Sam Raimi... You, you want to get Sam Raimi, right? Otherwise, why are you hiring Sam Raimi? You could just hire a, another, you know. Us, the three of us. Yeah, the 23. the 23 to direct You've got Doctor the Daniels, Strange. now you've got the 23. It's yes. good, I like this. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I, I have to say that, you know, I really, there are movies out there that bear the Sam Raimi stamp, perhaps more than this one does. You know, Evil Dead 2 and Evil Dead 1 and Army of Darkness and The Quick and the Dead and Dark Man are pure Sam Raimi films. And uh, and here he is working a little bit within the framework, a little bit, but there are moments of pure Raimi. There's a, there's a sensational showdown between two characters towards the end of the film that it's one of the most visually and orally inventive things I've I've mm. seen and heard uh, in quite some time. There are moments where you're, you're getting these little glimpses of, it. you know, it feels a little bit like now that's what I call Sam Raimi uh, at times where the camera is roving. We don't quite get a bravura POV scene like the moment where the, the evil force chases Ash through the cabin in Evil Dead 2. Uh, but there are moments where he's definitely playing with, you know, some pretty bravura camera work uh, and stretching the frame again the way he did in Evil Dead Two. There's some lovely transitions. He's, you know, uh, he's he's a big one for really strange pun unintended uh, transitions and montages. We get little glimpses of that in, in here. And uh, although I would quibble with it being labeled a horror film, there are certainly it, it's one of the darkest. Uh, Marvel movies to date. You know, I, I, if I were seeing this for the first time as like a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old mm. and this was one of my first quote-unquote horror films, then it, it perhaps would be a, a gateway drug because there are things in this. There, there are dark spirits and you know, really fun things I can't really talk about. Yeah, but there, there well, are moments there's, in there's, there's something in the trailer. Like, So I don't think it's a spoiler to mention that. Okay. There's the scene with the sort of zombie strange yes. with the mm. sort of ghost wings like dark ghost wings yes um which is stunning looking and yeah. horrific at the same time and i thought that that kind of thing visually this film did really really well mm. Mm. you'd get every now and again uh, a moment where you can see pure sam raimi and we've been deprived we've been starved of sam raimi for so long that i will take all the sam raimi i can get everything everywhere all at once please yes very very much so um and, you know, I had a good time with the film. Uh, I, I think it has 
some issues that we will get into in the spoiler special uh, for sure. Mm. Uh, I think some of the character work doesn't quite impact for me. There is some of the emotional beats that the movie wants to hit. I don't think it quite gets there, but I have to say this is the first viewing. I have only seen it once at this point, so I'm going back to see it this weekend. And so perhaps I will lean into those uh, a little bit more than I than I am doing so right now. But good performances across the board, some wonderful sequences, some really, really great action sequences as well. Um, and uh, some very, very intriguing stuff. This mm. is a fucking difficult movie to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I kind of don't want to go any, like I've, I've barely gone five minutes into the plot and I feel like, it's fun just to, you, you, I'm sure lots of you out there will have either figured out or seen way more spoilers than we're talking about. We're not going to add to that here um, um, because yeah. it is really yeah. fun to watch it play out in front of you. Because this movie, this leaked, it leaked, didn't it? And I luckily managed to avoid all the spoilers and all the leaks. Mm. But there are things in this movie that you would want to go in fresh. Yeah, like knowing nothing would be ideal. Yeah. But having, you want to go in knowing nothing, but having watched everything else ever <laughs> all at once <laughs> see that you understand it <laughs> i don't i don't know if you do i don't yeah. know if you do because we're, we're, ha- we're having this discussion a little bit with a couple of people on twitter who are you know asking what do i need to see beforehand because it was that nonsensical tweet from an idiot yeah, well, that, was uh, that was yeah. it's got to have been uh, joking i hope it was i think joking. i think it was part i think i can't honestly tell because i looked at his feed and it was part of it Part of his tweets made me think, and this is a guy who's taking a piss because he said, this is the greatest Marvel movie. No one would disagree when I say this is the greatest Marvel movie since Spider-Man No Way Home. So that's a joke, I guess. But then he might not be joking. I don't really know. Mm. Uh, Because there was a guy on Twitter this week who had seen the movie. uh, I think a lot of people in the States saw it on Monday. We saw it on Tuesday. And he was like, you, you know, you need to see, here. The, here's a list of the things you need to see before you see Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. And it was nonsensical. I mean, it included things like Deadpool 2, which I, yeah. I can tell you what? now yeah. is yeah. not You really relevant. don't need to have seen that. Like, I don't think yeah. that's a spoiler to say that Deadpool 2 is not relevant. You can disregard 90% of the things on that list. Uh, and so there's a conversation that we're having with people on Twitter right now. What do you need to see before you see Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which is a title I love so much, I'm going to say it in full every single time. And I don't know that you need to see WandaVision. I do. I think it so, helps. Okay, okay. It definitely yeah, it's, helps. So, it's, it's, definitely a necessity. Helps. Like, it's not a necessity. In the same way that you could theoretically walk into Endgame having never watched an MCU film, I just wouldn't recommend it. I would say with this, if you are thinking of bringing someone who has not seen most and or all of this stuff, it's absolutely fine. There's still lots to enjoy here. I would think if you want to get the absolute most out of this film, obviously have watched all of the MCU movies to date would be a prerequisite for me. Watch WandaVision. If you've got the time and the inclination, maybe watch the What If episodes. I think you'll get a little bit of a bonus from having watched those, or even just for the flavour of this, if not for the substance. Uh, And then, obviously, there are other things. There are references in this to things that you may or may not have watched, but that's neither here nor there. It's fine, yeah. You don't don't have to get every deep cut reference if it's your first Marvel movie. There's still enough in there to have fun with. There might be there might be something if you if you saw Endgame you didn't see One Division and you go into this then there might be a like oh, 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 hang on what's Wanda doing now there you know what what's happened in the interim what are they talking about what's this Westview thing but I think they do try and discuss that and they fill people in as they go along mm. there's enough there's enough expository dialogue hurled at pace as people are hurling hurtling at pace through the multiverse there's enough there to think to take care of things but what I mean is I don't think you need to see One Division in the same way that when you're reading a comic book, you don't need to read every comic book. You don't need to read every Marvel comic book. It, this movie reminded me of that great tradition of you. if you pick up a comic book, say you pick up 
Uncanny X-Men 373. And you're you're reading through it, and there's two characters having a conversation, and they go, ah, well, that last time I, you know, hey, I just fought Spider-Man. And then there's an asterisk beside Spider-Man. And there's a little panel, a little footnote panel at at the bottom of the page with the asterisk going, as seen in Spectacular Spider-Man 74. And so you you don't have to have read Spectacular Spider-Man 74. Um, And I know those comics don't cross over, don't worry. (laughs) If they they do, this is a sensationally lucky guess. Um, But you you don't have to have read those comics to, to, to get the full thing. But it's a nice little pointer. You know, oh, I could pick up Spectacular yeah, Spider-Man exactly. 74. I could watch WandaVision. Um, and I think a lot of people will gravitate to WandaVision after seeing this movie. Mm. But anyway, that's it. Because of the presence of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, there isn't an awful lot else out this week, folks. So I think that's it. I, I think, think that's so, it. So yeah. four stars then for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, do check it out. And yes, we will be doing at least one spoiler special uh, on this movie over the coming weeks. So if you don't already subscribe to our spoiler special feeds, you've got lots of stuff awaiting you there. Nearly 250 spoiler specials, loads more to come over the next couple of well, months as we get into the summer blockbuster season in particular. Oh my word, Top Gun Maverick and Jurassic World Dominion. It's going to be a very, very exciting summer season, folks. So do sign up. $2.99 a month or $32.99 a year. Go to supportingcast.fm forward slash empire uh, for details of how to do so or indeed to do so. Anyway, on that note, that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Uh, join us next week for more film-related fun, where we'll be joined by... Speaking of multiverses, the star of everything, everywhere, all at once, the glorious return of the man who was short round in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Data in the Goonies. It's been far too fucking long since this man acted in a movie. It's Ki He Kwan. Very excited to have him on next week's episode uh, and there may be someone else knocking around as well it's a multiverse people could show up at any <laughs> point uh, anyway until then until we meet again until that auspicious occasion it is goodbye from my two colleagues of such a lethal cunning <laughs> a squad cast names the wong trousers <laughs> sling ring grommet or something <laughs> very good very good <laughs> that would be amazing they should do that. They have the bun- they have the money to do that. <laughs> Someone just making a train track for real. As oh, yeah, I wanted them to go to a plasticine dimension. I really did. I've, I've been robbed. Oh, Maybe in the next Doctor Strange. Maybe the Ardman dimension. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. dimension. That would be incredible. I love that so much. It's not a dimension, is it? It's a multiverse, which yeah. is not to be confused with timeline. Oh, it's all, all the same. Very- dimensions, oh, multiverses, universes. It's all terminology. I think we can use dimensions interchangeably, yeah. actually. Yeah. Technically, Pay yeah. close attention. They'll take your brain to another dimension. Okay. <laughs> another dimension, another dimension, another dimension, another dimension. Uh, anyway, it's goodbye from Melancholy and the Multiverse of Sadness. <laughs> yes. Helen O'Hara. <laughs> Toodaloo. I like that a lot. I love your <laughs> 90s references. <laughs> it's, it's very laboured, but hey-ho. It's great. It's all good. And uh, it's goodbye from me, Mr. Doctor in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, <laughs> I'm off now to ponder the eternal question is there a multiverse in which Billy Corgan cracked a smile <laughs> who knows he's deep into wrestling now Billy Corgan oh, did you know that I did not know that as yeah. a wrestler or just as a fan Billy Corgan 
Billy Corgan. Billy Corgan, who is the singer-songwriter of the Smashing Pumpkins, uh, is currently the owner and promoter of the NWA. That's an unfortunate, <laughs> that's an unfortunate acronym. Uh, it is, of course, the Neighborhood Watch Alliance. Uh, no, it's the <laughs> National Wrestling Alliance, which is a kind of a rival to the WWE. E? Yeah. So he has launched this. He's mm. a big-time wrestling aficionado. Fair play to Is him. Rocky Nipples one of his AAA performers? <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope so. Indeed. Uh, okay, so in that case, the 23 are now off to try and cram Rocky Nipples into our Fantastic Four movie. Oh boy. Uh, thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Bye. 